0: Welcome to Trash Cannon, a new podcast about B-movies. What separates Trash Cannon from all the other B-movie podcasts and YouTube shows out there? Well, uh, it's the only one hosted by me. Um, but also, the idea is that we look... Well, this show is based on the theory that there is a mirror canon, a uh, anti-matter universe canon, if you will. We have the... <laughs> famous Hollywood canon, which encompasses movies like Citizen Kane um, and Star Wars, but there's also the trash canon, which includes all the B-movies that even people who aren't really in the culture have heard of, such as Samurai Cop, Vice Academy, uh, Hobgoblins, Hell pretty life. much any mst3k
1: movie yeah <laughs> i was okay um, that answers my first question because i was like <laughs> i was like there's a trash cannon but then i thought about it for five seconds and i'm like well there are 10 seasons of mst3k so uh, that's a good starting point
0: yep and uh yeah it's a pun <laughs> Uh, and uh, joining me today is um, David DeMoss, who is the writer and presenter of. And you thought it was safe.
1: And thanks very much for having me, Chad. Um, yeah, there's yeah. A long collab in uh, in the making. Yeah.
0: Yes, uh, David and I were both writers for the uh, Cold Fusion video back in the day. Uh, which I think was about what? Oh God, how many years was back it? Back
1: in the uh, yeah, I was gonna say back in the day, like before any of these you know motherfuckers who say back in the day these days. Like, exactly. Like back in the back in the Paleolithic era of the internet, uh, <laughs> uh, when giant sloths still walked the earth, and and
0: properly enough, my updates to the website were on a geological time scale. <laughs> <laughs> I think at one point I seriously had like two years between updates.
1: Well, you um, had, you had, you, uh, you poor <laughs> bastard, you uh, chose to actually uh, have a life, uh, by which I mean a career as a historian. By which I mean, of course, <laughs> you spent years probably sleeping in you know library floors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And, um,
1: and now we can all. Yeah. And, and now we. Now I can join in on your. Trash Culture Festivities, though not on your unpayable amounts of debt.
0: <laughs> well, somebody has to. This, this is no, why you, I'm working on Jamie You keep those, generos. I got
1: my own. Um, so, so,
0: the idea is that I will host a different uh, B-movie aficionado every... I was going to say every month, but I shouldn't make any promises right now. But um, <laughs> yeah, Every podcast, we will have a different guest on to discuss a different movie and... Today's topic is the Nick Marlard classic, Crazy Fat Ethel 2, also known as Criminally Insane 2. I have a theory about that. We'll we'll get into that. So, uh, yeah, take it away, David. Just uh, describe the plot of the film for the listeners who have not been blessed with the experience.
1: Well, uh, Crazy Fat Ethel two also known as criminally insane the second part of a yes i guess we there's three of them now so i guess we have to call it a series uh following oh no 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 there's only two uh sort of Uh uh-huh here we go Um, yeah first yeah
0: uh, it's a sequel but it's part of a trilogy or uh dare i say trilogy
1: (laughs) dare dare
0: films that nick millard made um Using his camcorder and filmed around his house. Yeah, the first film is Crazy Fat Ethel Two, uh, which is the sequel to criminally insane, a movie he made in 1973. And as far as I can tell, is his most successful movie, with scare quotes around successful. Far enough. Um,
1: yes. Um, (laughs) uh, But the entire the series then follows the misadventures of uh, one Ethel Janowski as uh, she struggles to, uh, you know, find her place in modern life uh, and (laughs) in the, you know, uh, materialistic hellscape uh, that is 1980. Well, first mid 70s, then late 80s. San Francisco, I want to say it looks a bit like San Fran. From the exterior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it is.
0: Um, I don't know if the original movie was filmed in San Francisco, but Priscilla Alden and Nick Ballard were living in San Francisco by the 80s, I think.
1: And uh, so, yes, Ethel's uh, struggled to find her way in uh, late 80s San Francisco and avoid the murderous rages that uh, occasionally uh, caused her to kill the entire cast of whatever movie she's in um sometimes uh, seemingly but brought on in in crazy fat Ethel two such rages are seemingly uh brought on by the most uh minor uh petty annoyances and um they're pre you know, they're they're foreshadowed by uh flashbacks to uh criminally insane uh which <laughs> are basically just whole chunks of the first movie. <laughs> Uh, used yep. to inflate the running time of the second movie, which is odd because neither one of them is more than an hour long. So what yeah. we have in uh, Crazy Ethel two, which is also criminally insane too. Though I think your you know alter e- I think your your uh, Jedi master and uh, rival the uh, cinema stop correctly said. Nobody calls it Criminally Insane, because Crazy Fat <laughs> Ethel's a better title anyway. Um,
0: yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, yes, it's ableist and fat-shaming, but it's also hilarious.
1: And you can't say it's not instantly memorable, right? Uh yes. Criminally Insane as a title could describe any number of fucking... Um, mm-hmm. But this is the Ethel Janowski saga. <laughs> <laughs> so she... <laughs> Her yep. name should be in the fucking title. Uh, I would argue it. It just makes sense.
0: It definitely does. Um, and yeah, I mean the movies that follow the rest of the trilogy, it's a different character. And I'm not just saying that, but like even the most dedicated fan theory obsessed viewer wouldn't be able to connect the two characters together.
1: Real and yet real Nick Millard
0: heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And yet, the um, Deaf Nurse of Deaf Nurse and Deaf Nurse 2, the rest of the trilogy, um, she, too, has flashbacks to the events of Criminally Insane for no reason. Uh, Because Deaf Nurse and and Deaf Nurse 2 were both released on DVD. Um, I've only seen the first one, but I watched it with Nick Millard's commentary. And surprisingly or not, he never addresses... The fact that he's just using footage from his movie—I mean, you can excuse it in *Crazy Fat Eiffel* too, because it's the same character and she's having um, flashbacks to events that actually happened. Um, but it's—it's it, not—not not the same character. It can't be the same character, and yet for some reason she is reflecting on events that happened to Got
1: apple. And I didn't. I'm, I did not do my due diligence and rewatch Death Nurse for this. One. Um, but uh, so I could only. Uh, but I can forward the theory that uh, you know how sometimes you get a song stuck in your head, or or <laughs> how when you when you see a movie at a at a really young age or in a really formative period in your life, and it just sticks with you the the whole time. You know, maybe she. Uh, wandered into one of the, I'm guessing, two theaters that uh, showed Criminally Insane during its original run in 75, and, you know, something happened, like, that was just a real bad time, made a real big impression on her. You know, that, that happens sometimes. That's the beauty of cinema, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and it could even be, I mean, um, it, it it was basically uh, a human centipede too. Uh, situation there <laughs> um, cr- criminally insane uh inspired edith mortley the uh deaf nurse to go on her killing spree and uh uh nick millard was just do- making an artistic statement about art's power over the human imagination
1: the recursive <laughs> nature of it yes uh over yeah Over uh, certain people, Uh, which. Uh, Let me take a minute. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just. uh, I would just say that's that's unfortunately fairly close to uh, Mr. Frederick Wortham's uh, take on the subject, which does not give me much hope. But yes, but you go.
0: (laughs) All right, I was just going to go into the um, to the history of the film, which uh, is more interesting than the film itself. Yes,
1: please do, because of course. (laughs) Okay. We really don't have
0: much to talk about. This might've been a horrible idea. No. (laughs) uh,
1: Well, I would, I would. You know what? I would actually make some kind of a case for um, Crazy Fat Ethel One slash criminally insane. (laughs) Yes. All right. All right. Let's get back to that app. Unlike the okay, okay, because unlike the other two, really, it's an actual movie. But okay. Yes. You. Please tell me, tell me how the hell (laughs) this, how this upside down civilization gets started. Please.
0: Well, uh, first off, um, not really related to the film, but I found it interesting, so I'm going to throw it in there. Nick Millard's father is B-movie royalty, um, S.S. Millard. He was one of the first um, traveling roadshow filmmakers who went from state to state showing uh, movies at local theaters, a career that started in 1920. Uh, He's known for... um, Like a lot of his ilk, he was known for sleazy films that were thinly disguised as morality plays. And probably his most famous movie was. um, uh, Let me show you. Yeah. Is Your Daughter Safe? (laughs) Which um, I haven't seen, but from what I could gather from my admittedly brief research, was basically stock footage of venereal diseases and white slavery stitched together with a moralistic na- uh, narrative. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so that's where Nick Millard inherited his inherent uh, interest with stock footage. Um,
1: and love of cinema. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of that, Nick Millard started out in porn, like,
1: um, like you do, yes. A
0: lot of the... Yeah, like a lot of the great uh, directors of Trash Film. And Criminally um, Insane was his first quote-unquote legitimate film. And probably his... And like I said, I, I couldn't find data on profits or anything, but from what I gathered, it it was his most successful film, uh, critically and financially. Uh, let me also um, segue into Priscilla Alden. She and Nick Millard were close friends in real life. Um, you Priscilla would have Alden
1: have to be, yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would
0: yeah, it, it explains a lot she, she put up with quite a lot, I would say uh, but she actually had a reasonably successful film career, appearing in bit roles in various movies uh, most notably Nine Months, although she also had a small role in uh, Quest of the Delta Knights um, I, I don't quite agree Remember, she's only credited as old woman. Um, and okay, that could be, um, it.
1: yeah, that, but but she is. Yeah, crazy. so I need to rewatch it. And and we've, yeah, we, I've personally never seen the, shall we say, uh, unformatted version of Quest of the Delta. So there, she mm. might be in a longer cut that didn't have to get edited around MS3 case or something.
0: Oh, that's true. It's true. Oh. All right, well, we'll we'll hunt it down so we can um, say that we're Priscilla Alden completionists. Hell yeah. Uh, Sadly, she passed away in 2003. Uh, Nick Millard, as far as I know, is still alive, but he hasn't made a movie um, since about the time of Priscilla Alden's death. And their last project together, and this is a mystery that I really want to solve, because I couldn't find any information about it except on... um, on IMDb. But apparently they made a... Their last project together was an adaptation of the classic ghost story, Turn of the Screw.
1: Oh, God. Okay. Which I, I could
0: not find anything. Anything. <laughs> um, but if anybody who happens to listen to this show can direct me toward it, uh, I would be very grateful. Um, as, as
1: would I. You're- watching Nick... <laughs> because watching service.
0: Nick Millard's take on a classic story is Nick It's uh, something that I cannot <laughs> What were you say?
1: Nick Millard's fractured fairy tales.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my god, Nick Nick Millard presents the American
1: classics. <laughs> oh, god. Um,
0: yeah, I cannot go to my grave without experiencing uh, Nick Millard's turn to screw, so um but, yeah, uh, I, that's all I can... Oh, oh, uh, sorry to shamelessly backtrack, but I also really wanted to add that when S.S. Millard promoted uh, Is Your Daughter Safe? Uh, he had, in front, of, in front of the movie theaters he was shown at, there was, like, a glass cage that a woman was inside. And that was his promotions for it. <laughs> and he was arrested for pretending to be a nobleman in front of the deposed queen of Romania or, well, I don't know if he was actually arrested, but he apparently got in some trouble because he tried to con the, crash the party and just be like,
1: Oh yeah, I'm so-and-so from the uh, new, yeah. From the, you know, San Francisco branch of the Habsburgs. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. We're the, we're the ones that uh, invested heavily in, exploitation beside that branch of the Casper <laughs> dynasty uh okay but to talk about the movie itself uh, well I mean I guess I guess we could go back to your comments about the original Kremlin and saying you you wanted to defend the film's honor
1: because yes um at at the very least it it has um I would say actual characters uh they don't yeah. have they don't go through many arcs or anything. Um, they they really don't do much except sit around what I suspected from the first was Nick Millard's house. Because, yeah, um, <laughs> the, the the funniest bit uh, for me is that, like, in, in the first movie, when it cuts to the interior and Ethel is being held down by an orderly, injected with sedatives, the scene is so dark... And it's lit by only one um, nightstand lamp, um, yeah. because that's probably the room that becomes Ethel's room later, and they're trying to pass it off as a mental institution. Mm. and and, yeah, not not obvious at all. and the the fucking doctor's offices <laughs> yeah, with the the intercom box like glued to the wall, like that's just that's perfect. That's some prime you know 70s real estate right there um yeah <laughs> and and but but okay so the problem as with uh so many of these you know mad killer uh movies in in general is that there's not really much time to get invested or care about much of anything because ethel tends to you know the murderer tends to murder everybody else in the cast um, yeah yeah and this is a uh, uh, problem in, you know, but this problem is somewhat abated in uh, Criminally Insane with the uh, eventual introduction of uh, Ethel's sister, Rosalie, and um, her failed actor-slash-boyfriend-slash-pimp, uh, John, <laughs> um, who, yeah, at least they can have the horrible, abusive, misogynistic conversations, but they are at least conversations. Uh, because the rest of the movie is just Ethel wandering around the house, uh, eating and occasionally talking to the dead bodies she's storing in Grandma's room. Um, yeah, oh, and also the racial slurs that oh, Ethel
0: yes. and all the other characters. But to me, that that's actually what makes the movie really interesting, because um, with the music, with the way the characters behave...
1: Dig that scratchy vinyl soundtrack. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. yeah, that too. Um, but, I mean, the movie actually does succeed in creating this poverty-stricken, working-class, urban atmosphere that's genuinely kind of interesting, and it's what makes the movie interesting. Now, I wouldn't say it's a it's a good movie. I think I would oh, probably God. call it passable, which sounds really, you know, because it's just kind of there. But to me... To me what does sort of make it something that uh, that most people would at least find somewhat interesting is that white trash ambiance and the um, and Priscilla Alden's performance because I I don't know if this is a controversial opinion um, but I genuinely think that she was a good actress that she with all due respect to her friendship With Nick Millard, she might have actually been at least more of a B-movie icon if she had hitched her wagon to anyone else's star. (laughs)
1: Like, (laughs) anyone. Any, anybody. Yeah. Christ. Or branched out, at least. Well, okay, she was on the wrong coast to uh, catch the Lloyd Kaufman train when it was starting. Right. Uh, Oh, that that would have been great. Wouldn't it, though? Wouldn't it just? Because you're right. Because the other thing is, you know, despite... Uh, my snark, um, goddamn, there, when the cops, when the cop, that one cop, finally shows up after the, uh, looking after the grocery delivery boy that Ethel's murdered, um, by God, there, there is some actual, genuine tension, and, and I'll be damned if I didn't feel a slight little spark in my, you know, chitinous heart, being like, oh shit, is Ethel gonna get away with this? Like, like, how's it all gonna unravel? How's it all gonna come down? It's, it's, um, I think today we would call it a thriller to my, you know, mm-hmm. it, my vague understanding. Um,
0: yeah, and I also think about the scene where she's, um, I can't remember if it was the pimp boyfriend or another victim of hers, but he's crawling, covered in blood, uh, trying to get away, but there's no hope. as She just stands over him and watches him with this bizarre, childish curiosity before she finishes off and she's just like softly chuckling to herself. And that's, I mean, that scene
1: yes, that's, yep, is that's actually Johnny. effective. No, that's, yep. That's Johnny. Yeah. Um, cause, cause Johnny's the fucking worst. And I'm glad they took, oh, yeah. I'm glad they took their time on him rather than, uh, uh, Rosalie. Cause it's usually in, in subsequent slasher, it's usually the chick who gets the long extended uh, sequence of suffering. Um, but, mm-hmm. no, this time, the per- it's nice to see the person who actually deserved it get it for for once. I mean, there's a rare yeah. couple instances oh, and, and, in the Friday the 13th season, but mostly it's the other way around.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I agree. And But since you brought up Rosalie, yeah, the probably the most famous line from that movie, you shouldn't have gone into Grandma's room, Rosalie. Like, <laughs> the way Priscilla Alden delivered it is actually genuine
1: and that yes and i agree with you about that chuckle too that's the chuckle of justice
0: yeah <laughs> uh, about crazy fat ethel too it's harder to it's harder to defend it
1: yeah so so the series picks up um, 13 years after the events of the previous after ethel's crime spree is discovered it, it that's the other thing right the first movie it it the murders are the centerpiece, obviously. There's the first one is within 10 minutes, and they're, yeah. they're all kind of lingered over in that, you know, Herschel Gordon Lewis uh, quick cut to pool of red paint kind of way. Um but, but the, the then you still have a half hour movie left to go and it's mostly following Ethel's travails as she tries to uh cover up her crimes and get rid of these bodies in just the most inept way possible that they keep getting frustrated as if by some, you know, angry, malignant, malicious god. Uh like and and uh Crazy Fat Ethel 2 picks up thirteen years later and where Ethel's released and trying to make her way in a halfway house full of mm, char- I it, I feel generous describing them as character honestly cause... <laughs> Well you're
0: generous describing it as full love cuz there's only two
1: I think yeah
0: Two all together
1: yeah, yeah. that's yeah <laughs> and and there's and there's what's her name the the woman in charge um but oh
0: uh hope bar Mule.
1: yes yes uh but Okay, I will. I will say this about the sequel. They they have to throw Ethel out, um, because of budget cuts, right? Yeah. And it. And yeah, why, yeah. It was like, why are politics. there budget cuts? Because it's nineteen eighty seven. Oh, right. Who's in charge? You know the 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 guy who you know the the president who was like, oh, we don't need any of these state mental institutions anymore. That's just a big waste of money. Let them wander the streets. And so.
0: That was the premise for quite a few horror movies, if I remember right.
1: Understandably so, because, duh, it's yeah. right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, and they released Ethel because she hadn't been violent toward any uh, staff member or patient in five years, which is. I, I, I honestly. Because when the, when the Doctor Who, um, the, the chief Doctor Who is played by Nick Millard himself, uh when he gives that criteria he has another doctor say that sounds like sound criterion like the flattest way possible so i uh, you honestly can't tell if it's sarcasm or...
1: <laughs> i'm i yeah or or just because do we know that that other doctor was probably one of his friends too right yeah because like crazy yeah and just fat ethel too has the it it really has the feel of a bunch of friends getting together to make a shitty movie, and there's a specific vintage of them from like the late '80s because that became real popular once camcorders got sh- and mm-hmm. and it's it is a vintage I very much recognize because it was all over the video rental stores of the '90s where we all got our cinematic you know, training. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's honestly why I think, because uh, uh, something I forgot when I was introducing the film is that it was, it actually was released on VHS uh, in 1988 uh, under Video Treasures. <laughs> Which, yeah. If I think of a word that describes Crazy Fat Ethel too, it's a treasure. Oh uh,
1: yes, the best. They-, they are. <laughs> They had the best fucking names for these video distribution companies. Yeah.
0: But I agree with the cinema snob in that the only reason we're talking about this movie today is because of the title. And that's probably the only reason why anybody remembers it. Uh, But I honestly don't think it was Nick Millard's own idea. I couldn't verify this. I actually did do a bunch of searches to try to uncover the mystery. But uh, I genuinely do think that it was the video distributor's idea because they saw the movie and said, you know, nobody's going to want to watch this unless we give it like this insane title and thus Crazy Fat Ethel 2 is born. Because honestly, I vaguely remember that the IMDb had it under the title Crazy Fat Ethel 2. And I, my conspiracy theory, my. Really pathetic conspiracy theory is that Nick Millard actually changed it back to Criminally insane 2. Um, <laughs> i don't know I don't know if that happened. I have no idea it might have just been somebody who was pedantic and could stand the fact that there's no crazy fat Alpha one and it... the movie's really criminally insane 2. But
1: <laughs> wait 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 you're telling me that the internet movie database may be overrun with pedants. <laughs> No. Well, I I know it's crazy, right? Say I mean, it ain't, say it ain't so, be... Santa. Say it ain't so.
0: <laughs> they even say that might be true for Wikipedia.
1: <gasps> Get blasphemy. The the, oh <laughs> folks, we got the we got the real we got the real dirt here. We got the real conspiracy. Keep the everybody confused about the titles of bad movies. We got <laughs> we got directors running around making sock bucket pu- puppet accounts they can use to to obscure the record and or order porn from the piece of play <clears throat> sorry that happens
0: <laughs> no i i get it and um so when you look at a film like crazy fat apple too do you think that just the do you really think that it's just a title or do you think that there's a certain element of it a certain um je ne sais quoi if you
1: will <laughs> that
0: that makes the movie <laughs>
1: bit of a bit of a worth crazy... watching
0: beyond <laughs> yeah. beyond a... the fact that you can just tell people hey i watched a movie called crazy fat hell too um there i can
1: i can attest to this from personal experience there is something uh to the initial look on people's faces when you sit them down uh for a night over you know or a party or something and you're like hey have you, have you heard a crazy fat Ethel and and everybody' goes, huh what um but then you pop it in and it becomes apparent almost immediately that you know whether we're talking about one or two or even Death nurse, you know these are about the slowest hour long movies you can possibly imagine, like even uh, honestly even Blood bloodfeast moves faster than this fucker um so yeah it's it's not a it's not a complete. A party killer, but it wouldn't be my first choice. No, uh, just, just cause the, you know, there's past the initial shock. Once that wears off, uh, you have to have a certain crew of uh, really, you know, low budget movie obsessive uh, in order to have that, th- have this shit hold the attention of a room. And, and really to me, that has always been, a good indicator of in whether something is worthy of inclusion, in the trash. Like even some of the old, yep. even some of the old MST3K episodes, um, like j- no, just no, there would no way I would do, I would subject people to like the crawling eye. um, Yeah. <laughs> because it just, it just wouldn't hold, you know, it's just, it's not crazy enough. Um, though i will yeah i do concur that there is a certain kind of um yeah white trash maison sin that uh my mouth wants to turn itself out inside out i've said that in this context but uh (laughs) that there is that and the first film does capture it somewhat um so you know i might i but yeah i've i've showed this to my missouri cats and after a while uh, yeah yeah, it wasn't enough to hold them. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I I had a similar experience, but it was more positive. I when I got the deaf nurse DVD, I did watch it with a few friends, and it more or less kept our attention. Um, and two of the people who were with us were not really big into B movies, um, so it it was kind of a success. But I would actually say that. As far as we're ranking Nick Millard movies, Deaf Nurse is better than Crazy Fat Ethel 2. Easily, yes. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I, can, I can say that sight just
1: in quite a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, just because stuff, more stuff happens in Deaf Nurse, which might mislead viewers because, you know, that's like saying um, uh, mowing your yard manually with a pair of scissors is. Um, uh, Slower than uh, literally watching paint dry.
1: <laughs> just, but, because, just because stuff is happening does not necessarily make it interest to stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's... Death
0: has something resembling a plot, at least. Uh, whereas Crazy Pet Ethel 2, Ethel is sent to the halfway house. Um, um, she runs into um, Hope Bar, Mule think I'm mispronouncing the names. like, I, I'm saying Bartholomew, and it's like, Hope Bartholomew, uh, try, well, no, she doesn't really do anything to try to help her. Uh, she and Ethel get into a couple of arguments over snacks. Uh, one of the other patients tries to, um, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Ethel murders the asshole orderly, who's <laughs> apparently like the only other staff besides Hope, um, uh, because he, uh, <laughs> yeah, he teases Ethel by eating a candy bar in front of her,
1: <laughs> and
0: he feeds the entire staff with dog food, claiming that it's corned beef. And of course, we are treated lovingly to a entire scene where he slowly scoops out of <laughs> dog food onto four plates, which doesn't really make sense unless he was going to eat the dog food, too, because there's only three patients, um, and Hope was gone, which was the whole reason why the orderly was in charge. So I don't know what's going on with that fourth plate. I I don't know. I. <laughs> it's another one of the many mysteries around this film. <laughs>
1: sometimes you got to really sell the joke if you want it to be completely... Yeah, that's... yeah. <laughs> Though okay, I'll give you I'll give this movie this much. One of the other patients is uh totally Renfield. Um so Yes. <laughs> so, you know, points for the Dracula. Uh but yeah.
0: Yeah, did he think he was a lizard or a spider? I mean I swear to god I watched the movie yesterday and I can't remember. Sp-
1: that detail. I, I honestly was... bef- I honestly in my head I call him Spider man because yeah, he's trying to crawl that wall. Um but Yeah, they probably don't even
0: call that.
1: Uh <laughs> but I, I'll I'll admit I'm right there with you. It's you know I took notes and yes in my notes I call him Spider Man a uh, couple times. But uh, but then 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 the uh, the other patient who apparently looks like the cop who arrested Ethel. Uh, though is that the same actor? I couldn't. It, he's got a mustache. <laughs> no no it's I I checked
0: IMDb the only actor who returns is Priscilla Alden.
1: Okay, so um, it really is just one of those, you know, amazing coincidence. Uh, but. Yeah,
0: and also to just, yeah, the whole thing about Ethel being delusional, um, that, I don't know, I it, it's, they, yeah, of course they never go anywhere with it, but it did leave what I think is one of the genuine um, moments where Priscilla Alden's performance works, and it's like the only time in the whole movie that uh, a line is delivered with any sincerity or effort, <laughs> and that's when she says, "I I knew you weren't dead, Granny." Yeah. When she fakes hope as her grandmother, and yeah, and, yeah. Oh, and, and whatever she laughs, she it, gives her an evil laugh. That those are. Like
1: that is yes, good things. good points for the evil laugh. Um, but yeah, okay. So it's yeah, because they they do mention her paranoid delusion but they don't really go much past yeah the, like people might be oh people might be starving me i i need to eat the entire thing of bacon at once um or
0: or the getting angry over the pudding and of course the, we have God. to see her watch her eat all the pudding
1: the, oh a, <laughs> none shall be seated during the riveting jello pudding scene Pay, pay for the entire seat, but only use the egg. <laughs>
0: yes. um, and, uh, but yeah, yeah, she, the other patient, the one who murdered multiple ex-wives of his, uh, blackmails her, and I think only one or two scenes later, uh, blackmails her for killing the orderly, uh, which, of course, is deserved. Although they're not even in the same scene together, she just, you know, <laughs> she's supposed to be strangling him from the upper floor, uh, from the stairwell. Yeah, but you, you know, it's kind of obvious that they're not even in the same space, uh, which is probably the least of the film's errors. Oh, I think we- my favorite is when Hope is.
1: Oh yeah, if if we're yeah if we're gonna talk continuity errors that that is the least of its sins. <laughs> yeah, because
0: Hope answers the phone twice in the movie, and
1: both <laughs> yes. times
0: the phone isn't even connected, and that's <laughs> I mean it's just sort of dangling off. <laughs> uh, it's not even connected to the cradle in any way.
1: It's just just, dangling. just hanging around because of course yes you'd want to unplug it so it doesn't ruin your shot right so with somebody accidentally calling. Uh this and this is the problem with using your own fucking house to make a whole movie. Yeah,
0: yeah that's probably true. Just do a reshoot if it happens.
1: But. that too, but uh, yeah. And and for the for the youngins out there, this is 1987, of course, when you still had to plug your phone into the wall. Um just yeah, yeah get that out there. But of course, if you know what to look for, it can be very obvious. Uh, when somebody is talking to absolutely nothing. It wouldn't even yes, you, you wouldn't even want the dial tone to uh accidentally mess up your already horrendous audio, which yeah, not that we necessarily have room to talk, but still I Yeah. Mean, oh your
0: yeah, your mic is come is starting to fade out a little bit.
1: Yeah crap. Yeah. Okay. So we we've still yes, we're still a work in progress around here, folks. Yep.
0: <laughs> but yeah, the um the pivotal phone scene. And so Ethel stabs the blackmailer in the back with something like six or seven knives and they're all leaning right Mm -hmm. uh, because they couldn't do do an effect. And after the blackmailer's dead, she might have killed Spider-Man as well. I don't know. There's like a weird close-up shot of him with his eyes closed, but he's standing
1: yeah. I'm so yeah. Can't yeah, can't help you there either. Could be either way. He, otherwise he has to be dead because otherwise he just disappears.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Nick just forgot he was there.
1: <laughs> uh
0: and which is entirely possible. Or, you know, his final scene was cut during the, I'm sure, copious editing post production process. <laughs> Oh, oh, but I skipped over probably the best part is when the police detective, who I don't think is ever named, shows up, and he is completely baffled by the case. The only investigating we see him do is interview Ethel, who uh, he only asks her two or three brief questions. Ever occur to the detective or to hope that the one patient of theirs who committed multiple violent murders... uh, the one who's committing the violent sudden murders again is <laughs> because hope just her reaction to the situation is just to repeat the same lines of hug over and over again.
1: Almost <laughs> like you know,
0: my motto, yeah. you must never give up hope, yeah. and uh, nothing like this ever happened at Bartholomew's house before. <laughs> I think I just gave like 40% of her lines just there. <laughs>
1: It's, it's almost like those were the only lines written for her, and yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, of course Ethel kills her as well, um, attacking her for refusing to let her eat pretzels in her room. I, I have to side with Ethel on that one. That is kind of a bullshit policy, being allowed to have snacks in, in your own bedroom.
1: I, I gotta get me some Nilla wafers, honestly, because it's been too long. <laughs> and you know, Nilla wafers in bed, motherfucker. That's Yes, that is the life. That is the goal.
0: <laughs> I I'm totally with you on either that or Pringles. I could go
1: for either. Try to cut down on my salt, honestly. Mm, fair enough.
0: Uh so she kills Hope and we get like a I think it's really the only Freddy style clip that she ever makes. Yeah. Unless I'm for doing something too.
1: Unless you want to count, you know, shouldn't have been in shouldn't have gone in grandma's room, Rosalie. I mean yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh it's the yeah. It wasn't even
0: part of the movie.
1: No, I mean it's um like Ethel's Ethel's Quip game does need some work.
0: I guess I just lost hope. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: but really it's not her strength and and I've never agreed with the, you know, necessarily turning everybody into uh, this this strain amongst the, our slasher brethren, you know, the need to turn everybody into like Freddy or, cause cause damn it, that's what gave us Leprechaun. <laughs> Do we really? Yeah. It could happen again, people. We we must not let this you know happen again. I mean, almost got there with with Jigsaw and his disciples a couple times, but damn it, I'll give them this, they pulled it back. And this new wave of you know purge. Strangers, you know, silent or giggling maniac types. God damn it! At least they, uh, you know, they're focused on the task at hand. Yeah, and not just uh, and, yeah, spewing pop culture references. We got, we got, we're full. We're good. We got enough. It's, it's fine.
0: I mean, that's that's one good thing I could say about Ethel as a as a slasher villain is that she's uh, she doesn't kill without reason uh, unless she killed the Spider Man it you know, might have been might have been a bit unfair. They
1: could have like could have taken the whole paranoid delusion thing to its actual because, you know, it's it's like poetry. They rhyme. You, you come back home mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you know, you come back home, kill people, go back to the hospital, come back home, the whole cycle starts again. And yeah, hope could be grandma. Um, you know, Spider-Man, he could have been somebody. I mean, the orderly can be Johnny, that's fine. Um, Spider-Man could have been, I don't know. Rosalie, maybe, or the grocery delivery boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, either one. And and then then you could have then you could have integrated your, your quote unquote flashbacks, your stock footage, uh, in to make some kind of point about how gets gets trapped in these self-perpetuating cycles, and you know, and, and how it's you know, so it can feel impossible to break out. And and yeah, then at the end you I don't know you have a different ending, a better ending.
0: (laughs) It it might be unfair, but I always got the sense that Nick Mavon didn't have the most sophisticated understanding of mental illness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you could just see his reasoning with the, um, with Ethel being delusional. It's just like, well, she's crazy, so she, you know, thinks it's all happening again, which doesn't, doesn't really add anything to the movie. But anyway, yeah, by the ending, she might... She might be faking, but I think the implication is is that she believes that she's Hope now.
1: I don't. I don't think it's an act. No, I don't. I don't. Or I don't think it's intended yeah. to be an act. I. Yeah, but then again, it's yeah. Because we get that
0: mysterious scene where Ed was just like running around the yard, prancing around with a dog that appears out of nowhere.
1: <laughs> it's never is never seen again. Who is? It? Is that just the neighborhood? Stray, I guess.
0: I don't, it might but, be Nick's dog.
1: Or, yeah, maybe credit the dog and the. But then again, there's that scene in the first one where she's running around what looks like some, some maybe like a college campus Cummins, uh, area or something. Yeah. Just in. Yeah, I guess I guess they
0: were trying to recreate that scene, but they didn't have permission to shoot anywhere. So.
1: <laughs> like oh yeah, like they got. Per- <laughs> I somehow, I somehow doubt Nick Millard was filling up paperwork for like, you know, that for, well, any of this or say nothing of that scene where in the first one where she drives to the coast, tries to throw the bodies in the ocean, like, oh yeah, like that's just some, no, that's just some to the side of the road shit right there and, and she she can't do it because there's a, because a bunch of fucking tourists show up, the at every turn, the superficiality and um, yeah, materialism of mid-70s ennui-inducing America uh, contrib- frustrates uh, her efforts to just, you know, have some nilla waves. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we're back. Um,
0: had some difficulties with the last recording, and this totally isn't being recorded two months after the older... <laughs> um After the... Um older not at all because (laughs) we have our shit together here (laughs) definitely um we
1: we are professionals
0: yes (laughs) okay so um so crazy fat ethel 2 ends with the with a detective um the one who uh couldn't right away figure out that ethel had to be the killer Like I said, a mystery that would need Sherlock Holmes and Batman and uh, Miss Marple combined to solve. Uh, He goes to the house to supposedly continue investigating or to confront Ethel, and of course it turns out that Ethel has... Killed Hope mule and believes that Hope, but it believes that she has become Hope, or is pretending. Uh, but David, last time on the old <laughs> on the old uh, footage, you said on the old audio, you said that you think that she has snapped and not is not pretending to be hope deliberately
1: well we get the we get the creepy dream sequence in the last five minutes right that mm. you know cannily reuses the stock footage of the end of uh crazy fat Level one uh so that you know that could be a psychotic break or she could be masquerading I mean she spoke to and and he's a lieutenant of course I don't know why he's working a regular murder case but I guess he fucked the commissioner's wife at detail this month, but he's yeah. It, it could be a psychotic break, um, or or it, it could be her pretending. Um, but but either way, uh, we we know that um, she's fully liberated because she has her victory dance in the backyard, right? Uh, with a knife and the the neighbor's dog, I imagine. Um, Probably, probably the same dog that starts barking during her uh, round the couch chase scene with kindly Doctor Mustache. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> I forgot about that. I just noticed. I just noticed that this time I'm like, you know, when uh, the neighbors' dogs do, do have a way of, you know, noticing and contributing. To the film, I guess uncredited role. There should have been like a credit, you know. Uh, neighbor dog played by whatever Benji or whatever his name was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, apparently, it does end with um, Ethel being caught. Although I don't know. I think I think it would have been more interesting if if they ran with the implication that Ethel had. Um, uh, was going to take over Hope's house and
1: I wouldn't have minded a, a crazy fed Ethel 3 where she gets like a whole new crop of you know uh, halfway house patients and has to deal with them I mean that's the that would be the um traditional though it wasn't a tradition when they made this but still that'd be the tradition like a sequel uh trilogy goes right right You're, you know it's like it's like return of the jedi you know take your father's place at my side <laughs> uh. yeah
0: and um so uh yeah speaking about sequels um you see hadn't mm. seen the
1: 2006 remake <laughs> 2000 no or 2016 2016 no that's Jesus it Jesus Christ um it's yeah instead of a sequel we got a fucking remake that no i refuse on principle i've been burned too much before um i got really it's the black christmas remake that that fucking burned me that should have warned me Um, But then we got Rob Zombie's Halloweens and fucking Total Recall 2011, uh, The Thing, RoboCop, like the whole wave of them. And that's why uh, Hollywood, you know, has taken notice now that enough of them lost money and they've started doing um, remakes disguised as sequels. Right. Uh, Jurassic World being my err example uh this month we'll see what happens but
0: yeah because there's that mini trend in the 2000s of uh b movies getting remade and i i called it a mini trend because it didn't really take off and i know that there was that plan nine from outer space remake which i only know about because um James Rawl, fake angry video game nerd, was supposed to cameo in it, but I honestly don't know if it was even released. But yeah, the problem with that one is like, oh, it's playing 9 from Outer Space, except done as a serious zombie movie, which, you know, defeats the purpose.
1: Which, exactly. It completely defeats the... Like, the point of remaking something in the first place is... Um, you know, they always talk a good game. Oh, we want to modernize it for, you know, you know like gin it up for the modern audiences and stuff. But really, you're doing it because you got the name, especially these days. They're doing it because they have a name that is a known quantity, uh, a distinct brand signifier with built-in audience. With trying to do that for us, like the audience for crappy B-movies from the 70s and 80s, is we don't want some... You know, blinged up thing from the mid to you know two thousands or two thousand teens. Like we we go to these movies because, like, we seek these things out because they're crappy B movies from you know forgotten eras that have been the maw of history. Mm-hmm. Um, we you know that's the whole point in the or at least it was for me. Right, that's what I thought we were all doing here, uh, and yeah you know, people seem to agree with me with the possible exception of uh our poor halloween our poor fellow slasher fans in general, yeah, uh, I should say uh, who are who are I admit desperate, but at the same time, y'all did this to yourselves. you didn't have to see all those saw movies <laughs> yeah,
0: and I, I I have to give a shout out though to the only um B movie sequel remake that I actually enjoyed, which was. Uh, black Devil Doll, the remake of Black Devil Doll from Hell, because it just went in a completely different direction and made itself into a really old-school, sleazy exploitation movie. Um, it, it, you can't get much sleazier than a movie about a, um, a a black militant serial killer from the 70s who gets reincarnated as a puppet and
1: goes after white women (laughs) hey it's better than and like especially since child's play seems to have ended right right um (laughs) yeah at least for now though though of course dude went on to do hannibal so he's still in the game
0: yeah uh so i guess the last question or what was the last question before uh we had to redo the last act (laughs) Of this podcast was, uh, you know, we talked about how great Priscilla Alden is um, and how her performance is really what makes the original criminally insane worth watching. Not not a lost classic or a diamond in the rough. Or I don't think either of us believe that, but she definitely adds something to yeah. the movie that makes it stand out. <clears throat> Uh, but do you think that her performance salvages Crazy Fat Ethel Two at all, or
1: well, to a degree, you know, I might say yes, because after she was the she was the um, the the straight man for uh, like for the uh, first movie, by number two, she's into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get things like her, her crazy laugh of triumph, uh, whenever she stabs Edgar, um, or really whatever she thinks she's get gotten away with any murder. And, uh, you know, uh, the, when she stabs original, uh, Hope Bartholomew and she's just like, I guess I just lost hope. That's like, that's yeah. six out of 10 in, in the one liner department. Right. Yeah. Um, at least she gets you know in the first one she's kind of monotone a little bland like uh but here she's like totally into it completely embraced it and it is nice to see yeah Uh. yeah
0: I, i i just yeah i i said it in the audio we salvaged but yeah i really just wish she teamed up with someone other than nick millard
1: no kidding right anyone else and jesus christ if john waters had found her first yeah uh we'd live in a we'd live in a much better timeline i think
0: <laughs> yeah it would have stopped the election of donald trump and a lot of other things would exactly
1: 10 <laughs> years sooner uh, before <laughs> afghanistan <laughs> <laughs> so that means no 9-11 no war on terror, except for maybe the war on hippies and eco t- eco terrorists. Yeah. Um. But, but at the very least, yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, maybe we wouldn't be quite sliding uh, quite so close to fascism today. So, Nick Millard, it's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, that's what I've been saying for years.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, let me let me um repeat that if anybody has knowledge about the uh, turn of the screw adaptation that Nick Millard and Priscilla Alden <laughs> did together, please let me know. I still haven't been able to find anything about it except on the IMDb. So, um, uh, if
1: it does exist, I, I want to show it to my mom. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I just want to know if it exists or not. Um, I can't pay you, but I will... Any any award that doesn't involve actual money, I'll I'll gladly consider it. Um, All right, so uh, I guess that's a good point to wrap up on. Um, I am Chad Denton, you can find me on YouTube through uh, Hollywood Hates History or through the name of the podcast, of course, Trash Cannon. And uh, David. Uh, oh, you can also find my blog, trashculture.blog. David,
1: where can they find you? Um, I can be found at my website. Uh, that's And You Thought It Was Safe. Uh. A-Y-T-I-W-S dot com. Uh, or YouTube for that. I should be the only thing that pops up, uh, thankfully, so far. And, yeah, I do movie reviews that are pretty much like this, shooting for twice a month. So come on over. Uh, All right. Water's fine.
0: <laughs> Thanks for being on, and uh, till next time.